ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fix, motherfuckers. Have it. Hey, we'll we'll launch it with a bang this week, guys, because we get guests on this show as of two weeks ago when we had Frodo on. (laughs) We've never had anybody else on prior to that. And we thought that worked quite well, even though Frodo didn't say a great deal. I felt like the, the, the ten things that he said were very meaningful. What about you, lads? Yeah. Very straight meaningful. To, straight to the heart. And straight to the heart. That's what I thought. I cried. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So this week, we got another guest on, and it's one who talks a little bit more. And those of you who are familiar with the fix, in the beginning of the fix, we usually throw down... A little double bicep, or at least these two lads have got biceps too. Well, they've got oh. some competition, because it's Jeff Hale in the house. Have some oh, of that. Oh, yeah, okay, hey. I'm done. Look at that, eh? I'll tell you what, mate. And he's representing NatFit. Now, this is a bit of a thing here, because Jamie Sheldon's NatFit brand. Ryan, you've got some affiliations here as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love what Jamie's doing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to help Jamie on the digital side of things to get that, that word out there. But, yeah, man, he's conquering the globe at the moment. He's a good lad, isn't he, Jamie, as well? We love Jamie. Oh, yeah. Good dude. Top, top dude. He really is. He's a good lad. And, uh, I mean, what he lacks in hair, he makes up with him, you know, being virile, doesn't he, really? He can't just churn a kid out. I mean, my God, he don't mind churning kids. We love you, Jamie, but we thought your ears a bit longer, son. Anyway, let's not muck about any longer. We'll get the episode going. I thought I'd start with a little joke. Oh, here we go. Lighten the mood, guys. Well, I know Ray loves it, Ryan. Of course, I love it. Loves a joke, just Ray. Hey, hey. Oh, the is, just for me, just for me. Latvia is mostly based on comedy. That's what <laughs> it's all about. So, you know, we figured a joke. Anyway, sit back, ladies and gentlemen, for your oval team. We're going in. So, the Lone Ranger. For those of you who don't know who the Lone Ranger is, you need to look that up. Because the Lone Ranger is not playing games as a mask, hat, special horse. Anyway, fights crime back in the day. The Lone Ranger, he's out and about. He's on that special horse. His name's Silver. And he's riding through the plains. I'm going to do this. is my horse riding thing. Yeah, that's it. Ray's got it. So there he is. And suddenly, on the horizon, he's with Tonto. Obviously, you got, you, if, you got, if you're out Lone Rangering, you need Tonto, so Tonto's at side with me. He says, uh, Tonto, because he knew him. Tonto, what's that? Oh, my bill. Tonto says, uh, let's have a look. He must have his sun's in his eyes a bit. He has a look. He says, oh, I think it's bandits. He said, oh, my God. Right. What are we going to do? How many is there? He said, oh, a lot. He said, there's at least 25 to 30 bandits. He thinks, oh, Christ. So he says, right, okay, mate, down here. He said, I've been here before. He says, when we get a bit further down here, this, this, this landscape, these rocks, it splits into two. When we get there, he says, I'll go to the left, you go to the right, and then we'll meet up back at that place. And Tonto says, no problem, came myself, I'm on it. So sets off, gets, picks a bit of pace up. Sooner or later, they're galloping, right? They get to where the rock splits. Lone Ranger goes left anyway as luck wouldn't have it the bandits come down off the mountain you never guess where they go Ryan left (laughs) they're on the Lone Ranger's ass Lone Ranger's looking behind him and he's thinking this ain't good 
his luck takes another terrible turn, Ryan. Another set of bandits, affiliated to the original bandits that are behind him, come out from behind the rock and they say, Whoa! Stop right there, Lord. Pull guns on him. Guns, Ryan. Lone Ranger thinks, This is not good. He stops the horse and he climbs off the horse. Bandits say, Right, Lord. I'm going to have to kill you. Lone Ranger thinks, oh, shit. It's a Tuesday, and he knew things. Don't ne- Nothing goes well on a Tuesday. He thinks, oh, shit. He says, right, okay. Is there any uh, is there any way out of this? Do I get a last request? Anything like that? And uh, bandits confer a minute there. Let's have a quick uh, thing. Okay. Chief bandit comes back. He said, I'll tell you what, Lone. I've just been talking to me mates. We had a bit of a... a bit of a conference there and uh, we've agreed that you're an incredible fighting man and in our culture that is very highly prized Lone. he says so we're going to give you one one request before we kill you Lone says cheers mate I appreciate that he turns around he walks over to his horse Silver leans in bit of a whisper in Silver's ear off goes Silver into the desert. Lone Ranger sits down on a rock. Uh, Chief Bandit says, uh, uh, Lone, don't mean to push things like, but a couple of lads have dates this evening. What's going on? Lone Ranger says, just bear with me a minute. Silver, I just had a word. He'll be back. Give us a minute. Five, ten minutes go by, nothing. Suddenly, over the horizon, he's back. And on Silver's back is the finest looking woman you, probably from Latvia, this bird, the <laughs> finest looking woman you have ever seen in your life. She's wearing just a pair of high heel shoes and a long Mac. She climbs off Silver's back. She walks over to the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger doesn't hesitate for one minute. He takes off the neck scarf. He takes off the hat, throws the hat onto the sand, and it's on. (laughs) Like Ryan Bowen on a Friday. 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes go by, Lone Ranger's still going. All the bandits are looking at this and they're thinking, (laughs) bloody hell, take Lone out, will you? An hour, Ryan. And nobody, everybody knows at home that takes some doing. An hour goes by. Ryan knows. That takes some doing. Two hours, Jeff, go by. The Lone Ranger's still going at it. And the bandits are starting to think, this is some impressive stuff from Lone Ranger. Look now, I can't believe it. Anyway, eventually, two and a half hours in, Lone Ranger climbs off this last. She's just having a cigarette. He stands up and he thinks, he says, right, lads. Okay, I'm done. Anyway. Ed Bandit comes over, he says, Lone, I've just been talking to the lads again, and we can obviously see that you are an incredible lover. And in our culture, that is highly thought of. So I've been talking to the lads, and we're going to let you have one last wish. Lone Ranger says, Thanks very much, I appreciate that. Walks over to Silver, he says, uh, I said a posse, you dad twat. 
You're full of shit, Neil. You don't do that. Man, Jesus. The longer that, the longer the, the longer your jokes go on for Neil, the more I worry I'm not going to get it. I, and, and, and this is my second language. Thing. I was lost at the start he already. Well, he said he said a posse to silver the. Yeah, we got it. It just wasn't that. What, it just wasn't that. Right? The story itself was good, but the punchline was good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Man. Oh my good. Suppose we've got to talk about. Well, oh, well, ladies and gentlemen. Going nowhere, is it? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. On, on next show, I'm going to start with anecdotes. Okay? Do a joke. Okay, okay, right, joke. In fact, Ray, I'm going to hold you to that next show, mate. Joke's on you. Bring it in. you got to come with your best gag. All right? Easy. Start Easy. thinking about that this show, mate. Start thinking about it now. Hey, guys, oh. about this, we've got the Hellraiser in the motherfucking house. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Now, then. We want to go in nice and gently with the show. Let's not do anything too stupid too early. So, Jeff, you reckon you can leather Ryan? Ozzy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, anyone in North America beats us Australians. <laughs> what do you think? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever, you know, tell us what your opinions are of Ryan's body of work at this stage? Man... <laughs> You know, starting off uh, right out of the gate, I thought Ryan was a badass. And then the more he started to post, the more I started to see footage of him competing. Dude, I'm not going to lie, Ryan. I started to lose faith in you, bro. When? When? a big day, but you weren't backing it up with the punches. It's Wait, which punches did I back up? Dude, do I need to, do I need to spell it out for you? Zelotti. This is awesome. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, go, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. No, Woo. that's cool. That hurt. Yeah. That's, that's a different, different beast. Different beast. I, um, yeah, no, I'll admit that. I can't wait to get back there, but. No, the, the ball's the ball. In your defense, hmm. Petrenko's a bad mother fluffer. Yeah, I pulled Petrenko around one, and that was a humbling experience. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that. Look, Travis Bajan once said to me. He said most people become arm wrestlers in the the strict environment that is the kind of Zloty environment, and then they graduate to the wild, wild west of super matches later on. Where I've kind of come from, the wild, wild west, used to all this crazy loading and negotiating and carving and craziness before a go eventually just happens anyway. Mm. Um, so going into that environment where anything, 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 and then I'm warned, like, if you move, you will be found. And I'm like, holy shit, if I move anything here, I'm going to, I just wasn't, I never hit my power. Never, never what is Australian, What's Australian Federation like then, mate? Are they not, are they not as strict? We, we, we try, we try to be WAF, but we were born on WAF rules. Mm. Um, supposed to be strict, but we're, we were all, um, in the federations of what eight years old here, we all were starting together. So we were, we had no one that was a, an experienced arm wrestler. We just kind of all refereed each other. And, uh, as a bunch of novices refereeing novices, it doesn't start out so well. So our habits are more like the looseness of like a, a Travis Vagin style event or something like that. That's kind of what Australia is like. We're definitely not like you guys. 
I look, you know, I thought that that would be the case. I mean, let's be honest, you're all, you know, only a couple of generations down from serious criminals that were shipped overseas by the wonderful Brits. <laughs> and therefore, as a result of that, you're a bit way, a bit whoa. And actually, it's worked in your favours because I love the Aussies. The top blokes and top sheilers, love them. They're all a bit on the edge, aren't they? None of that strict rules rubbish. Let's get a match going. Spit yeah. and sawdust. Which do you prefer, Jeff? Meaning like tournament or Superman? Do you what like you strict about? as balls or do you like... Uh, well, I mean, my entire career has been based around WAF rules. So, I mean, I, I really like WAF. For me, the WAL, the Wild Wild West, as I've heard Tom Brzezink and Ryan call it, uh, you know, I'm a fair guy. I've just trained to always be a fair guy and never take a, never take too much of an advantage of a situation. And I feel like the WAL, you have to learn how to cheat if you want to be successful. And so mm-hmm. it's a totally different style of training. It's it just is it's a totally different game. It's just it's different on every aspect of the board as far as when you're comparing WAL to WAF. I mean, Arm Wars. I like to look at Arm Wars because Arm Wars was kind of a mixture of the. Uh, WAF rules, but there was some leniency there. And honestly, from my experience, no one took advantage of those rules. No one took advantage of the elbow fouls and, the, and maybe the slight false starts or the slight kink in the wrist in the, in the setup. No one took advantage of that. Everybody was very honorable at Arm Wars and respected the rules and, and respected the freedom that we had. So I was expecting the WAL to be more like that. And it's just not. It's just, it is just, you better be ready to smash that guy. <laughs> and take everything you can before the match even starts. I think one of the big things there, mate, was probably the fact that in Arm Wars, we were so, from, you know, moment one, day one, we were very much, look, if there's a foul, if you contest something, and we used to give this, as you you all know, because you've all been involved, we used to do this at the athletes' briefing. If you're really pissed off about something, or you don't think that something was done correctly, make make the claim there on the stage, and we will go to the cameras. I mean, we've got cameras there. That was part of the show. Because yeah. in the actual TV show, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the cameras, you know. So often we had situations where people may spot a mistake. So we'll get comments and they'll say, oh, in this round, or that, you know, the referee missed this or I didn't do that. And actually, when I go back, I'm looking at things and thinking, uh, no, that's not actually true. We did. We looked at it back that day. And what you'll find is that the other guy had an infringement that they saw and we pointed out on camera three. And they were like, oh, okay, let's let it slide then, because I'd actually, you know. That's what really, as you all know, we used to look at, you know, we okay, we'll look at it from camera one, camera two, camera three, and we'd often be looking at something on camera one, and then, wait a minute, yeah, but you did this, and they go, ah, okay. I actually remember the the, the biggest example that I ever saw that was with Michael Todd and Yoshi Kanai. And Yoshi Kanai was absolutely adamant that it hadn't He was like, no, no, that didn't happen, okay. Square in the air, so bang, up on the Trafford Centre, 50 foot by 65 foot screen, there's camera one, there's camera two, there's camera three, there's camera four, and Yoshi, you actually see him in the show come out, and he's up at the screen like this, and he's watching, and it shows camera one, you can't see, camera two, you can't see, camera three, and you see him go, and he's looking at his corner, and you hear him say, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, and he just turns straight to us and goes, okay. Yeah, let's do it again. And it worked. Like you say, it worked. The athletes just got used to, yeah, if I've screwed something, let's do it again. We did it again, and that was that, you know. And it's too bad we don't have that kind of time 
with the with the, with the WAL like we did with Arm Wars because it's a live event. Everything's moving so fast. You know, mistakes are made regularly. You know, hard, so hard mistakes that we can't go back to to replay right now and and uh, you know try to correct some of those mistakes. Can I just say though? Okay, this is one thing that always gets on my ample tits. Right? Everybody seems to be of the opinion that there aren't the mistakes and there aren't the issues made in strict rules uh, arm wrestling. And that is categorically bullshit. Not only is that the case, often the referee's involvement is way too much. And things Mm. get way, way too much. And you lose the essence of arm wrestling itself. It's just, you know, if it's like, you've all seen a boxing match here. if If the referee's constantly like, whoa, Getting in there, you've got to let the you've got to let the fight happen in armrest. You've got to let the match happen, and often we've seen so many matches stopped on some microscopic foul that n- nobody really was aware of. Neither athlete was aware of it. You know that, and yeah. the referee the tells run, the athletes, "Who knew?" The running the running elbow foul is essential if entertainment is of high value to an organisation, um, and. PAL is the best example here. Rustin Babay of Tim Bresman. Not one pin happened in six rounds. Not one pin. And the man that looked the stronger lost. And you're like, come on. This shouldn't, we should never have six rounds where that happens and, and half the elbow because you can't see. So uh, the running foul is a massive thing for entertainment and I'm always going to be a fan of it for super match pulling. For tournament pulling, maybe not. I don't know. I think the PAL does it, does it well. I like the way they do it in their tournaments, but Super matches, it's got to be the case. I think WAL do it so much better. Um, it was, it was I, I watched the top eight finals last year, and I'm sorry to say, but I was I was bored watching them. Um, they took so long, and um, <clears throat> and the matches don't have the same energy because of all that refereeing. So. The other thing there is that the one thing I do like about the World Arm Wrestling League a great deal is that they're becoming much more willing to listen and evolve. You know, we're, I'm having, I've had conversations with Jamie and Steve recently about things I'd like to do to change, you know, I'd like this to change, I'd like that to change, I'd like this rule system to change, the way that we do this to change. And they're not opposed to that. They're not like, yeah, okay, it's a journey, we don't mind getting there. So that that's good. That's positive. It's good, yeah. You know, so. But Great. Guys, Mac- could I smack Jeff Hale around? I like that question. I actually don't know. I've never, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff and I, we have, we've never crossed paths at, at all. Like, not even in the same room ever, have we? So, That's your um, lightest weight ever, Ryan. Ever. Oh, when I, when I started the sport, when I started the sport, I was like 84 kilos walk around. Okay. So I, like, bigger, bigger then than, than Jeff's at his biggest, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, when I pulled, when I pulled a nil nose run, I was 82 kilos. Yeah. What's your biggest weight, Jeff? My biggest weight ever in my arm wrestling career is 90 kilos. Holy shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, where's the footage of that? I want to see it. Mm. That was like RTN 2008 or something like that. I mean, it, I was, I got, I got to 198 pounds and, oh. uh, I wasn't, it wasn't like a big, you know, it was more like a, it was still more in my legs than in my butt because you know I came back. I come. I'm coming from a baseball background, so I had a big ass and big legs. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of weight there that I've, you know, taken away, stripped off over the years. So yeah. And honestly, my my very first time to pull 54s was at the, it was at the, um, Arm Wars 2010 there in Manchester. 
that it was always 176. I'm shocked. I'll tell you what, I am shocked. Ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, if you want the information that you can't hear anywhere else, on the fix, we'll tell you things you never knew. We never knew. <laughs> Who knew that Jeff Hale once weighed 90 kilos, <laughs> and most of that weight was in his ass and his legs. That's right. All three of them. Ray, you haven't said shit. <laughs> I'm just listening. No, don't just listen, mate. Wait, just wade in on this. Who wins, Hale? All right. At what weight? At what weight? If, like, you okay, know... Okay, Ryan. Lone Ranger, right? He comes up yeah. and he says, <laughs> I've got a million quid. Yeah. That I've just got off these bandits. Yeah. I'm going to put it up for a match. This match is going to be at 82 kilos. Yeah. Ryan Bowen is losing weight. How much are you losing for that? I'm 90 kilos. I woke up 90 kilos on the dot this morning, sir. Okay, so Ryan Bowen loses weight to make that. Jeff Hale puts on a bit of weight to make that. Or just feels confident and comes in. Who wins that match, right? Jeff Hale. Oh! Why? It's it's always he can gain up and the other guy have to lose something. He will be at his prime, and I don't think Ryan would be at his prime in in, in weight, you know. So How hard is I, that I would go for it. Right. Uh, to get to eighty two, um, if be it was a challenge now, now it would be a challenge. If it was if it was three if it was three months, it'd be like messy. If it was oh. six months, and I could somehow convince my brain to. Eat well. And keep it there. Uh, it would be, a, it would be a little cleaner and I'd be a little, I'd have a little, yeah. bit more energy on the day, but it'd be a, stylistically, it's a fascinating match. I mean, Jeff, how tall are you? What, four foot eight or something? What is it? Four foot eight? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting me fired up now, Ryan. You better watch out. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. Wait, well. But, Wait a minute. You just talk among yourselves. We're back in a second. This is warming up. I, 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 I want to apologize for, Jeff, where we put you when we did the interview. <laughs> you were way back and looked like... <laughs> I, I think Jamie Jamie did the, the picture where he put you even smaller. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the hell's Neil like going? He's right off. I don't know where he wrote. No. Well, hey, uh, Ray, why Neil's gone? I need some help, bro. My bench press. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Just right. DM me. Right. These are these are trade secrets. DM me. Look at this guy. Look at him. Oh, no. Carry on. <laughs> so I guess stylistically, it's a super interesting match. Um, Jeff's probably got ratios like Lachlan Adair, but less horsepower than someone like Lachlan. So I feel like I'd be actually pretty comfortable with knowing where I need to position. What Jeff has is speed. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm never not going to back myself. You know me, Neil. Jesus. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, because the Lachlan Adair thing, right? 
Pound yeah. for pound, Jeff is a horsepower dude. Oh yeah, I, I see that. That's why. That's why. That's why I said Lachlan. I I I think Jeff and Lachlan are very similar humans. Very similar. They'd, Lachlan's just one hundred five kilos instead of seventy five kilos or eighty, whatever whatever it is. But so, but but the the shape of the arm wrestler is very very similar. The uh, the strengths and vulnerabilities are all similar. So. Would I want to end up in a deep hook with, with Jeff? No, I'd want some pronation built in there still somewhere. Like, I, I wouldn't expect to take his wrist. I'd cut like I did against Chris Gobby. Like, Chris Gobby's like a weak version of Jeff. You know, Chris. Um, and, and Chris, as Chris, as, as Chris tried to soup that in, it just, just kept, kept the pronation in and just went sideways. I didn't have to go over the top. So it'd be similar. I would, I would see myself driving underneath Jeff's cup, which will stay strong, and protecting the pronation, protecting the pronation, and it's going to become a battle of who has more stay, my pronation, his hand. If I get sucked down, I'm in trouble. If he gets blown open, he's in trouble. What are your primary differences between Chris, Gobby, and Jeff? Absolute primary difference is that Chris is a slow... You initiate, I catch, I try and outpower you and drag you back up. Type arm wrestler. Jeff yeah. is lightning in a bottle. Yeah. yeah. Well, 100% defense, man. And he's not super technical. I mean, he he gives you a lot of the table to get what he wants, but he doesn't manipulate the match. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I... I Speed is a is a dangerous thing. There's one guy in Australia, Grant Tolentino. Uh, Ray, you've met Grant. Yeah, I know. Um, particularly Grant's left arm. He he's probably similar ratios to Jeff as well, but and very fast. And I've I have been in starts against Grant where I have felt like I had every bit of position that I needed. Don't move, ready, go. What the hell? Why am I? <laughs> why am I here and underneath this man all of a sudden? Mm. So. I, 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 I do appreciate how dangerous, uh, speed is off the go. Yeah. That's why I sucked at Zloty as well. I built it in that department. See, we, I think you get a lot of stick for Zloty, which is not necessarily fair. Because as I say, the, the, the Zloty thing is a very difficult, too many people sort of try and judge off one event, one outing, you know? Mm. And I think sometimes with, particularly when you're in rigid rules, there's so much margin for error that, you know, that you, you, you've got this much. And if you go over that margin for error, you are. You're just in trouble. And if you've never pulled really in that kind of rule system before, you're already uncomfortable. You're already nervous. You're already amped up. So the chances of you going over that margin for error are increased again. I mean, you, we, we, we had a, I had a conversation with Jeff when we were doing the Deep Inside series the other day, and you spoke about your first visit to World Arm Wrestling Federation, uh, Jeff, under similar circumstances, you know, when you're sort of not sure of the rule system and you're not sure of the cadence of the refs and a lot of things that are throwing your game a little bit, throwing that natural. We saw it the other way when Giannis first came to World Arm Wrestling League. And he wasn't really comfortable, and he, we didn't necessarily see the best of him when he came back. Had a little bit more experience, he did better. Similar to yourself, Jeff, when you went back to World Federation in 2019, you were definitely vastly improved in that respect. I mean, 
taking performance out of it, just your approach mentally and how you looked at the table was night and day from the first time. You know? Yeah, for sure. I do think that matters a great deal. I think the adaptation to rules is the key. Wherever you want to succeed, if you don't train for the the rule set that they're going to use where you're going to go, you know, you're in big trouble. I, I have seen this so many times. I have refed. Like, we went in Norway when they had uh, WL finals, mm-hmm. and then it was WL Europe. It was, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. And, like, we're doing their nationals. It's WAF rules, everything. And, like, I remember the first, like, the left hand, there was no strap on my table. We did, like, four classes, no straps. Guys were start, were like referees grip and they're starting themselves. They're lifting their elbows up and everything else. And we're like, we, we have to stop and make an announcement. These are rough rules because guys forget. And, and I think for everyone, it's a big difference. We saw this with uh, Hermes Gasparini coming to WL. And I think I sent him a message about a month before I said, study the rules, practice the rules, you know, and people don't take it like, it's big difference. If you don't know how to start, how are you going to arm wrestle, you know? And uh, when we were in Arizona, it was like we're used to buff rules. Like I, I have not arm wrestled anywhere else, you know, uh, arm wars, and that's it. So I know only buff rules. And we start, and I'm like, this is weird. And, oh, so I can do this before the start, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And if you're not prepared, you can you can lose. So for everyone you will not show your best performance when you're not used to rules. Do you not think that when you go to World Arm Wrestling Federation, because of the vast number of referees, in some ways it's harder to do that anyway? Because you can get referee A, and he's great, and he's experienced, and he knows the script. You get, you know, you get somebody like Rick Pinkney up there, or you get somebody who's, you know, there are others, really experienced referee. And they're calm, and they're relaxed, and it isn't their first rodeo. And they don't need to prove that they're the man in the stripes, you know. They just go and they just let you do your job. And they realize that you're a little bit tense. And they realize that a lot of guys up there are nervous and amped and aggressive. And they take all of that into consideration and they do a great job. Then there's referee B, who's on a power trip and is a bit of a dick. And they go up there and they're aggressive as hell and they're... You will do what I say. And they're like going to be, and you just think, oh, my God, mate. Number one, have you never been a wrestler yourself? Number two, what the hell are you doing? Number three, relax, have a biscuit and a Coke and smile, you miserable son of a bitch. You know, and that's what annoys me when you get referees up there. and It's a world championship. People have trained an entire year. Just try and do a job and help them at the table. Don't friggin' be as unbelievably strict and as unbelievably rigid as you possibly can and shout commands at them and try and amp them up and rev them up and make them more nervous. You want to try and relax that situation. A good referee works that, takes that into account. Those are the best refs, always, everywhere in the world, in any sport. The referee that knows the game, the referee that knows how to adjust themselves to the circumstance, those are the guys that are really good at it. So I think at World Arm Wrestling Federation, it's more difficult for a young athlete to come in now and try and get themselves used to a, a rule set. Even if you say, OK, you've got a couple of refs working at top eight or a couple of refs working 
at WAL. At least if it's three refs or two refs, you can study them a bit. You can watch how they act. You can watch what they, their commands are like. <laughs> Bloody difficult when there's 35 refs in the room. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But Very it's, tough. The athletes should understand, like, when, like, okay, first the referee should understand it's about the athletes, it's not about you. It's the competition isn't for you. So if you're, uh, if you're too nervous or something, and you want the guys to have a good clean start. You want them to hear when you say, ready, go. You don't want to, you know, do the start when someone sleeps on it, when you just, you know. So, but I think, the school they are teaching, it's pretty similar. They are similar. I have seen some shitty ones, like a lot, but uh, the senior classes are usually run our finals or, or everything bigger is uh, with better referees. And uh, But again, you always can have it. But as an athlete, you need to understand, when you go to arm wrestling table, it's you and your opponent plus two refs. And you need to understand that like you can watch the table and see what ref is really annoyed about and what he allows to do. And this is, isn't just you versus your opponent. It's also what I can do, what ref will allow me. <clears throat> so that, that's another thing that you should understand. It's not just you too, you know, it's refs, you know. Yeah. I've always said, I've said to every single new guy in the Brisbane club that ever gets coached up by me that one of the biggest factors from transitioning from amateur to pro is understanding the relationship between yourself and the referee. And, and, and navigating that well. Um, cause if you, if you suck at that, you'll get belted by people half your, half your strength if they're good mm. at it at the end of the day. Um, so refereeing, like my, my experience with the WAL, I love Bart's refereeing. It was so nice for what I, for what I'm used to. I knew I had Alan's wrist eight seconds before Bart said go. I just like, just, just, all right, ready. Like anytime you want to say go, the rest of us go. I like, I already knew everything that was going to happen before the go happened. Where Zlotty, I was like, I was terrified. I didn't even know which direction I was going to go, let alone what was going to happen. I was, shit, am I posting and rolling? Am I cuffing and supernating? I don't know what I'm doing. I was very, very lost with that feel. But that's why I want to go back there. I want to feel it again. You need data. I, I want to comment something. Like when we talk about referees, good and bad referees, we look at Jeff Hale having his match in WF 2019. Like you had, I don't know why he didn't like you, you know, that, that uh, Kings Move match. Also, like when, when we were looking at the footage, there were so many fouls that they called on you where there was no fouls and also didn't call fouls on your opponent. If you look at that, like, I don't know what you did to him before the match or, or maybe he didn't like you because you're American or something, but that's, that's a good example on, you know, where, where like they stand locked in a hook, nothing moves, stop, foul. Guy hangs, you know, like this. And the worst part is, like, when they, they, they do a protest, they take the protest, there's a rematch, and the same guy is refereeing. I'm like, how, how, you know, you made a big mistake. Get the F out of there, you know. Mm. How do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, honestly, after the, after the whole experience was over with, I felt like I needed help managing the rules and the referee i just it was very difficult to focus on the opponent by myself mm -hmm. i felt like 
it would be advantageous to have a coach, you know, right off the stage watching the referees for me and, and keeping track of some of the, the things I couldn't pick up on my, on my own. It would have really, really helped, I think, if I'd have had some backup there to, to keep the refs in check and keep the rules in check. Yeah. The, the other problem I have with the World Arm Wrestling Federation style of refereeing is the, 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 the way that it's sort of the interpretation of rules is horrific. So they'll say, okay, if a guy relinquishes hand control, let's go in a match, okay? It's definitely they're making no attempt to grip straight away foul loss if it's if it's if it's on B side, okay? And there's a spectrum of examples of where that can happen, okay? And if that's in a long match where the match has stopped and one guy's clearly got control and starts to drive on the match and the other guy is clearly in deep and tries to bail, I get it. Okay, it's a long day to trying to move through matches quickly. I get it. But when you got eight tables, nine tables running, and you've got good referees on three of the nine, and they're letting that situation play out, and they're only applying that rule in those situations. And then on the other tables, you've got guys that, if the arms slip apart at all, even if right off the start, so they go, ready, go, boom, slip apart. In their mind, they've seen that somebody didn't try to grip. Oh, you didn't try to grip. And both arm wrestlers are like, what? No, we just slipped, mate. We're both going for a really fast top roll. There was no hand control. There was no loss of hand control. Nothing had happened. It was a split second, and yet they give somebody a foul. At that point, I wish I had a catapult and could literally just... (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Oh, I get so. Stop at that. Because... What, they, what, what you need to get your heads around is that everybody in that room, whether they're an arm wrestler, whether they're a fan, has gone there to watch arm wrestling and to really find out who's the best arm wrestler in the world. Everything you do at the table, whether you're a ref, wrestler, a referee, should be to enhance that, not to screw that up. And that's the mindset that most referees should go into the event with. We used to say that to all the arm wars referees. Look, you try to enhance this situation, enhance the experience of the arm wrestlers so they like it. And I genuinely believe it worked a great deal. We'd say humanize yourself. Don't distance yourself. We don't want you to be super aggressive, super strict, super. That's not what you're there for. OK, you're not a security guard. You're not the police. You're there to referee. So one of the things is when you go up to the table, introduce how you'll say go. You'll probably notice that. We had a lot of the referees until people knew them. They'd say, OK, this is how I'm going to start the match, guys. And before the match start, before they start to take control, they say, OK, guys, just come into the table. And they just talk. They just humanize themselves to both men. Say, this is what we're going to do. I want you to work with me, not against me. If you've got any problems, this, if you, you know, and it might take. Five, ten seconds to do that, but it will lead to a better match. A faster match often. Take away protests, take away fouls, take away complexity. So it's, you know, you're giving in one area to gain in another. And a lot of the best referees in the world, I think, are very much, they, they humanize themselves to the arm wrestlers. The arm wrestlers know them, and because of that, they trust, they trust them. them. Yeah. yeah, they think, yeah, this guy's an arm wrestler, this guy understands arm wrestling. He or she has an appreciation of what I'm feeling right now. I'm nervous. I'm tense. Um, you know, and if they trust that you're going to do right by them, they'll work with you and the whole thing runs smoother. 
that's my honest opinion. I've, I've seen it for years and years and years. And the best referees are always the guy that are most, the most human, the most understanding, the most real in the room. You know? So Jeff, the Lone Ranger offers you and me a million. You get to pick which league we're doing that in. WAL or, or PAL Vendetta? Where would you choose? Any league, any time, where? <laughs> Arm Wars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good, good choice. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Any league, anywhere, where? Oh, you better say WAL. Yeah. You're wearing the shirt. I don't know where. Well, no, well, for, for me, for me, the WAL is the easiest for me to just click with. So, but but Armors Armors feels like Australian arm wrestling. <laughs> Anything PAL, I think um, uh, I need more I need more data. So, <laughs> just a deal. Hey, the way I see that, I actually like Michael Todd's thing on that. As long as you know what you're dealing with, I'm not too worried. But it's got to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like I said, I, I, I have had the Australian Arm Wrestling Federation tracks every match that we have down here. And I've I've personally had about 750 starts on my right arm under that system. Um, starts under the style that Ray's used to over there in Latvia, I've had 10. So it's like, ah... I'm way behind, way behind on the familiarity factor. But you, Ray? I don't know how many starts I got. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite rule system, league, organisation that you've pulled under? What's the your, your, your best one? I like WAF. I like WAF, but I think if we're doing super matches, then Armour system would be the better one. I think I like when it's strict. When you know with WL, it's too much elbow fouls. You know, elbow is going everywhere except not on a pad. So I don't like that. You know, I, I like it when when you lift the elbow. You know, you made a mistake, so you're gonna think about it. When no one is telling that you are making mistake, you know, mm-hmm. like all of these, like uh, they have like three foul system, and sometimes you're looking at it, and it's like ten fouls, you know, but they just like one, like skip four. Two, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I like arm wars. I would absolutely in uh, in a super match format, arm wars. You know, tournament. Wow. What, what improvements do you think they could make, guys, to the to the world arm wrestling league system? Sorry, okay. Jeff, make your point first, mate. What I was just going to say that's the that's the first improvement they could make to the arm to the to the WL system. I mean, if you think about it. At Arm Wars, we had a lot more freedom, and the rules were a little looser, or, or a lot looser than WAF, but we were competing on Maserinto WAF tables, mm. square mm. flat pads, none of these round, yeah. pushy yeah. pillows. I agree with that. I was on these yeah. huge pads, way more. And not, only, not, not only that, but their, their, their pin pads are half an inch lower, and so when Devin Larratt's arm was straight against Todd Hutchins, it wasn't below the pin line. Like, you, you shouldn't... Sh- just, yeah, go back to a standard 7x7 seven seven table. I must admit, I agree with that. I I do. I don't think yeah, the man. table was ever broken. It didn't no, need fixing. Yeah. We didn't have you know, the kind yeah. of thousand armors that we do with WAL. It's, it's, no. it's insane. And we did have the amazing matches. We did. Better matches, actually. Wars. Better matches. Yeah. On the Mezzarenko table... Better matches, the whole, same high pad. The whole Kingsmove problem will 
significantly shrink if they go back to normal normal tables. There's just too much, too much. Those rounds all the way to the back edge. It just encourages too many people to lay down and at the last last chance. And um, yeah, get rid of it. Speaking of King's move though, and trying to minimize that style on the table, I've been <clears> trained <throat> sit down table. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's no King's moving on a sit down table. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've never pulled it. Never pulled it. Oh, it's, uh, it's pretty, very different. But it's yeah. it's it's longer matches because you you don't have to you cannot use that much of body drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say it's more. I mean, if you're when we when we think of arm wrestling, a lot of the guys that aren't arm wrestlers think like, oh, you guys are cheating because you're using all this body weight and stuff when you're arm wrestling and using your legs and stuff. Well, shit, on a sit down table, you're not doing any of those things. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it is. Definitely upper body, you know, yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty. I, I'm not gonna lie. I've really enjoyed training. This. It's been a lot of fun. It's been refreshing. Yeah, it's and, and like you say, sometimes it'll get you to use an area of your game that you don't use often. Right. You know, good for rediscovering new areas of technical prowess that you may or may not have. You know, like you say, you gotta you you, you if. If you've got a situation where you're blocked in, you can't use your body, particularly in a defensive position or any of the defensive positions, sit down arm wrestling will discover them because you've got to dig it out with your arm and your arm alone, you know, grinders. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are at 45 in Dart Speak minutes of this episode of The Fix, and that pretty much wraps it up. I want to say a massive thank you to our special guest, the Hellraiser, Jeff Hale. Repping the nut fit in the mother-fluffing house. I want to say thank you and thank you to Ray and Ryan for not laughing at my joke, which I thought was reasonable <laughs> left. But for Something showing up. And uh, I want to thank all of you at home, ladies and gents, for taking the time out. Tuning in to the show, which is also nothing more than reasonable level. <laughs> <laughs> If this is your first visit to the Supernatural Strength channel, please tell everybody about it. Like, share, subscribe, and we will see you back on The Fix very soon. Till that time, take it easy, peeps. Yes.